You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 638 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on a Thursday evening, uh, a pretty, uh, I would say, pretty ugly basketball game that we all had to witness on this fine evening, but it was the final preseason contest for the Hawks, so at least that is over. Five games in the books, the Hawks finish one and four, and we'll talk plenty about Hawks-Bulls in a moment, but before we get to the game itself, a couple of uh, news-ish items that I want to touch on at the top of the podcast, because, spoiler alert, there isn't as much to discuss about this game as there has been for the, most of the preseason so far, so... First things first today, um, the GM survey, the annual GM survey done by John Schumann of NBA.com came out on Thursday. There really wasn't a ton of Hawk stuff. I actually, I, I would say I usually write about this every year. At the same time, I did not this year because there just wasn't too much that was terribly interesting, but I wanted to at least reference it here. The Hawks did have some encouraging voting, and basically the premise here is that uh, Schumann polls GMs around the league on, on a ton of different questions, most of which have to do with the entire league. Um, and there, you know, a lot of award stuff and best player stuff and best passer, all this stuff. Um, but the, the two Hawks categories that were treated quite well for the team anyway were the, the Hawks finishing number three on the, in the voting when it comes to most improved team for this season. They also finished number three in the voting for promising young core in the league. Neither one of those is terribly surprising. I think there is a, at least a possibility that the Hawks don't improve all that much this year in terms of wins, but they still should be improved for the future. And um, the promising young core thing speaks for itself. The Hawks have you know five very, very talented core players, plus uh, you know give, give or take Bruno Fernando if you want to add him into that list as well. Um, so you know no, no surprises there on the young core list. Um, individually, there wasn't too much going on either, but Cam Reddish got, got a couple of nods. Reddish finished actually third in the voting for rookie that will be the best player in five years. That's a little bit higher than I would have him on that list, but still, uh, Cam is a very talented player and, you know, not, not a huge surprise. He was also high in the player survey that, uh, in the rookie survey, I should say, that came out earlier this summer. Uh, DeAndre Hunter got no votes in that one, which is kind of weird because I would certainly rather have Hunter than Reddish at this point in time, which is not a, not, not a knock at Reddish. It's just that I like Hunter quite a bit. Um, but the, the other one that uh, Rush got at least one vote for, the biggest steal of the draft, um, that is not a surprise, really, at number uh, 10 overall, because, you know, I had him higher than that, and I think I wasn't even the highest on him. So one of those things where Reddish being a steal of the draft would certainly not be a surprise to uh, really m- many people because of the fact that he landed in a great situation, the fact that he's very talented, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that is really all of it for the individuals, though. There was one slight surprise for me, and that was that no one voted for Trey Young as the best passer in the league. I'm not sure I'd have him number one, but he'd be in the top three or four for me in terms of best passer in the league. He's he's an absolutely elite passer, so I'm not surprised that he didn't finish number one, but I was a little bit surprised that he got no votes. But other than that, uh, a lot of stuff's just kind of above the Hawks' head at this point in time. A lot of the league-wide award stuff, you know, best score, best rebounder, um, MVP candidates, all this stuff is a little bit just above the Hawks' pay grade at this point in time. Also, the playoff stuff, you know. I could see the Hawks making the playoffs, certainly, but I would not project it, and most people are not projecting it going into this season. So this is definitely one that I think the Hawks will be uh, factoring more prominently in in the future, but I always want to run down what they what the inclusions actually were 
on the GM survey since it actually came out on Thursday. Uh, the other one is not really a, pr- a present day Hawks thing that I wanted to talk about, but Jason Quick of the Athletic wrote about Kent Bazemore and interviewed him quite a bit um, for this piece that he wrote that he uh, published on Thursday. Bazemore, of course, the former Hawk, uh, former Hawks captain, I should say even. Uh, definitely worth a read for the entire thing if you enjoy you know deep dives like this and also if you just like Kent Bazemore and uh, candidly I am a, I'm a Kent Bazemore fan personally I, I've always enjoyed Kent um, but the, the the one revelation in here I would say that I wanted to pass along is that the fact that Quick writes and I'm quoting now that Bazemore provided Atlanta with a list of teams to where he'd like to be traded end quote and also the fact that Portland was number one on that list. Um, I mentioned this as a, as a possibility, but sort of the, basically the day the trade actually happened and when Bazemore was traded to Portland for Evan Turner, I floated out, they put out the, the potential that there was sort of a favor to Bazemore because of the way that it was kind of an odd trade in a lot of ways, you know, Turner and Turner is not that much worse of a player than Bazemore, but I think, I do think that Bazemore was, was better, et cetera, et cetera. I talked about that a lot at the time and that was just a theory at that point in time. But I will say I've heard, uh, multiple times since then, at least off the record stuff, that Bazemore did probably ask for a trade, and it was not a huge surprise based on just all the logistics in play there. But now it's on the record for the first time, so I wanted to pass that along to people. That was a again a very, a very uh, publicly bandied about explanation for the trade itself. But now that we have that on the record, that can be sort of the background for what would actually happen. I am a again a, a pretty big fan of Kent Bazemore as an individual, as a, as a person, and I think he's an underrated player as well. But uh, you know, probably the last time we talked about about Kent for a while, but because that made the rounds today and people were asking me about it uh, that were Hawks fans. I wanted to at least talk about that. And no, I was not surprised at all that Bazemore wanted out um, based on the fact that they traded him, traded him in the way they did and the fact that he, you know, he was he's kind of a famously competitive guy that did not enjoy the losing um, over the last two years. I think that, you know, you can you can certainly disagree on the method of exit for Kent. You know, there's certainly an argument to be made anytime a player asks for a trade, whether that's the greatest thing to do or not. But um, yeah, no, no surprises here. And uh, there you go on that. It's probably, probably the last time we talk about Kent Bazemore for a while until the Hawks play the Blazers anyway. Um, quickly, before we get to the game itself, I'm going to take a quick break and we'll come right back and talk more about Hawks Bulls from Thursday night. All right, and we're back to talk about Hawks Bulls. It was a 111 to 93 loss for Atlanta to fall to one and four in the preseason. None of that actually matters. A couple of guys that were ruled out for this game. Uh, Kevin Herter is still out, for, still out of course, as well as Alan Crabb and Chandler Parsons. But on the injury report that came out on um, Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon, it listed Cam Reddish as probable with right hip tension. Uh, he was later downgraded to out. And John Collins was listed as uh, out immediately with flu-like symptoms. I thought for a second it could be sort of a cover on Collins to have him get some rest, but um, all indications were, and I've heard this uh, both both publicly and privately now, that he actually is sick. He was uh, held back in the hotel in Chicago, so I'm not sure that's anything to worry about because the Hawks have another full week before they actually play a game, but Collins was not just a DMP rest in this game. He may not have played, but um, he, he actually is sick at this point in time. Um, so with that said, the Hawks were down, you know, two, three rotation players, you would say, with Collins, Herder, and Reddish, and going into this spot. And um, I was a little bit surprised. I said this on the last podcast last night. I was surprised that Trey Young even played at all, based on the fact that he played 35 minutes on Wednesday. It was a limited workload for Trey, which is not a surprise. I think that, that was probably always going to be the case when he was even playing in this game. But it was pretty odd to me that he played. But I guess the counterfactual there would be the fact that. Um, Trey does like to play. Uh, last year he played 81 games and uh, was reportedly not very happy with that he sat the last game of the season, for instance. So I, it's not a huge surprise. It's kind of not worth the fight if you're the Hawks to not play him. And Lloyd Pierce took him out at halftime. He never came back in this game. And that's probably the right way to handle that. 
the actual impact of him playing is pretty low. And again, he's pretty durable at this point in time, playing all all uh, all, of, all of his rookie season basically without without incident. So no huge downside, I guess, to Trey Young playing, but uh, kind of a weird one for me. At any rate, um, the reddish injury, I'm not really sure anything about that at this point in time. You know, right hip is sort of a newish thing for him on the injury report. Um, still worth pointing out though that you know there was probably every reason to be precautionary on the, in this spot. And he, the fact that he was probable is probably a good sign overall that he was listed as probable originally. So I'm not worried about this until I hear otherwise. And the Hawks have another full week before they actually play a game. So um, last rant before we get to the actual game itself. I still don't understand this scheduling. I've said this a couple of times uh, over the last couple of weeks on the podcast, but playing a back-to-back in the preseason doesn't make any sense. And also playing three games in four nights with travel is uh, kind of insane. The Hawks played three road games in four nights in the preseason, and that's just ludicrous. I'm not sure whose fault that is, but it's just kind of a crazy situation where it doesn't make sense for the Hawks to prepare that way. I guess it's good in some ways that you sort of throw your guys in the deep end and have that camaraderie and that road experience early on, but still, uh, I would certainly rather them not be playing three games in four nights on the road uh, to start the season. So, yeah, just putting that out there one, one, one final time. Uh, on the court, it was pretty ugly in this game. There were a couple of stretches where it wasn't so bad, but Chicago was trying in this game. They played um, kind of this, they treated this one like a real game for the most part until the very end, at least to last like seven or eight minutes of this contest because Chicago hadn't played actually since Sunday, so they were well rested and they were uh, certainly ready to uh, dial it in and uh, play a little bit in this spot. And uh, Bulls playing at home as well uh, had the better roster, at least the better available roster, and they sort of lean in their, in their direction. Um, I will say though, for the most part, the starters were okay. It was kind of when they got into the bench that things got off uh, off the rails for the Hawks. Um, early on, a couple of nice plays with, with a Jabari Parker uh, Jabari Parker bucket on the uh, first trip of the game. He was he was was of course re- returning home to Chicago where he played last year and also grew up. So that was a nice little subplot of this contest. DeAndre Hunter had a couple of nice moments in the first quarter. Um, uh, worth noting that uh, Damian Jones was the first big off the bench after not playing at all on Wednesday, but the Hawks actually went to a, uh, a weird lineup early on. They played Jones and Fernando together multiple times, even in the first half of this game. Um, Pierce was actually asked last week in Atlanta by Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops um, about whether he would be playing Fernando at the four. He basically downplayed that, so I think that was kind of just a situation where they had no, they didn't have a ton of bodies here, so they threw that out there. I'm not sure that's anything to look at for the future, but that that was happening early on. There was a uh, a lineup that featured Brandon Goodwin, Evan Turner, Bruno Fernando, and Damian Jones all playing together in the first quarter. That is not going to be able to score in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> so uh, yeah, kind of ignore that for the most part. Uh, there was a nice dunk by uh, Atlanta's own Wendell Carter on on Fernando. He actually got a T for flexing, which is kind of funny. Also, Trey Young got a, ter- got a technical foul in this game. Uh, Bruno did play hard in the first quarter, I thought, and really the entire game. Uh, he had some bad spots that he was put in playing the four, but he wasn't terribly effective, but he did, he did play hard, and we'll talk about Bruno a little bit more later on. The Hawks had nine turnovers in the first 14 minutes of this game, which is uh, a little bit rough, frankly. Um, and it didn't get any better from there, honestly. Um, you know, still kind of baffled as to why Young played in this game, but especially the fact that he played early wasn't so weird, but he when Chris Dunn checked in and Young and Dunn have a history from last year, there was a little bit of a skirmish last year between those two guys, and it was pretty chippy even in the preseason. This time around, and Dunn does not hold back. He's a very physical, hounding defender, and um, yeah, Trey got into it a little bit, got a, te- got a technical foul along the way, and just got some weird moments along, along the way there. The Hawks scored six points in the final eight minutes. But to, oh, actually, not the final eight minutes. In eight minutes between the end of the first quarter and the beginning of the second quarter. So that was kind of a microcosm of the night, honestly. There was one beautiful coast-to-coast layup from Trey Young that was uh, him in overdrive going the entire length of the floor for a layup. 
Um, that was one of the few bright spots, though. And uh, he did play off the ball a little bit, which I thought was worth pointing out. I think it was Kevin Starr that said that first, and uh, I definitely agree, having watched it. Um, you know, Trey working off the ball in sort of an experimental way is probably a good thing to do in this kind of setting. If he's going if he's, if he's to be out there in a, in a meaningless game, um, go ahead and get weird with him a little bit. And I think they allowed him to play off the ball, which is uh, not a strength of his just yet, but a good, good experience for him to do that in a game setting against starters, honestly, for Chicago. Uh, other than that, the only positive from the second half, sorry, from the second quarter, was the uh, explosion by Jabari Parker. Jabari actually scored 11 straight points for the Hawks at one point in time, and uh, at the time he was 0-5 from the free throw line, which was kind of funny. He had 11 points uh, cooking and from the field, including mid-range jump shots, he just couldn't make a free throw, which was kind of just amusing back and forth there, but it was a nice little story for Jabari to go off um, for a moment in his return to Chicago. In general, though, the first half was just kind of unwatchable and it only got worse from there. Um, in the first half, when it was still competitive and the Hawks were actually playing all of their guys that were available. They had an 81 offensive rating, which is really rough. They were 2 of 11 from the uh, from the free throw line as a team, so 0 of 5 from Parker and then uh, 2 of 6 from the rest of the team. They also had 12 turnovers. It was really bad and uh, didn't get better again. Um, in the second half, no Trey Young, no DeAndre Hunter. They were both um, taken out of the game for the rest of the second half, and that was the right move based on what I would say. They started the second half with Brandon Goodwin and Vince Carter. Um, there was a flagrant foul by Alex Lynn, and Alex Lynn was brutal in this game. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that in a second, but he was brutal. Um... They went to Taj McCall and Charlie Brown really early in the third quarter, and it was a lot of bench lineups the entire rest of the way. Every Hawk in uniform played at least eight minutes in this contest. Also, um, they went back to Alex Lynn late because they kind of had to because they were just out of minutes. They didn't want you can't just be relying on Bruno to play, you know, the entire second half. So they had to play Alex Lynn a little bit in the fourth quarter. But other than that, it was basically guys who don't matter um, in the fourth quarter. It got to thirty at one point. The Hawks were down by thirty points. They did valiantly charge, I suppose, playing harder playing harder than the Bulls third team down the stretch. But other than that, um, yeah, it was pretty ugly there. I don't I don't have too much to say from about the middle of the third quarter on. There really wasn't too much to note other than the fact that most of the guys that were playing uh, were not going to be playing um, Hawks minutes in, uh, I guess, week, a week from now. So individually, I don't want to touch on every single player that played. Um, you know, if you're looking for a bright spot among the Exhibit 10 guys, it was uh, Jordan Cyber. He had 14 points in 12 minutes. He, was, he came in and fired. That's basically what he's going to be there to do. He's not going to be on the roster. I would be surprised if he was, but another Nice little flourish for him at the end of uh, training camp in the preseason here. Uh, Charlie Brown really struggled. The Hawks' two-way guy from St. Joseph's, the rookie uh, this season. I thought he was pretty brutal in this game. You know, I've all, I've always kind of said that you know the theory of Brown is that he's six seven and can really shoot it, but um, there's not too much else there right now. And he was uh, definitely a big negative when he played in this game, albeit in not great circumstances. Um, elsewhere on the bench, Goodwin played a lot, 22 minutes, 4-10 from the floor, 2-3 of three from 3, 13 points, 2 assists, a local product, and I thought he played pretty well um, for the most part in this game. I wish his passing was a little bit better, um, finding guys on uh, on dribble drives, but I thought Goodwin was at least a small bright spot in the reserve core. Uh, Vince Carter, 12 minutes, it was kind of funny to see him playing on a back-to-back um, based on his age and all that stuff, but uh, he, he was out there and playing valiantly. Evan Turner struggled a little bit again. Did have four assists, though, and was a playmaker of, of some sort in 11 minutes. You know, we'll see how he looks when the lights are actually bright and on beginning next Thursday. Um, Damian Jones, I thought, was really bad in this game. Uh, two points, three rebounds, two assists. Um, in contrast to Bruno Fernando, who wasn't like he was great either, but four points, four rebounds, two assists, and a steal for Bruno. I said this on Twitter, but I'll say it again here because it's it's not a huge point, but I think it's a, certainly an interesting one in some in some respects. You know, Damian Jones has been acting as the backup as the backup center for the most part. Really, in four out of the five games, he was the primary back, backup center with Bruno playing the third center role. But um, this time around, 
you know, from all the stuff that I've seen in the, in the preseason, I don't think that Fernando is necessarily better than Jones right now. At the same time, for me, it, Jones has to be substantially better to play over Fernando, in my opinion, and he's not. I, I think Jones is not good enough to justify not playing Fernando. I think Fernando is the is the player of the two that has a much, much better chance of being a part of this roster moving forward beyond the season. So um, with all that said, all things equal, I'd be looking to Fernando if it was my choice uh, early on in the season. Again, this is not a full-on endorsement of Fernando being ready to play. I don't think he's. I don't think he is ready to play, frankly. But at the same time, I don't. I don't. I don't think that the gap is actually pretty. Uh, I, th- I think the gap's pretty small, honestly. That's by the way that I can put it the most succinctly is that I think Fernando is closer to Jones than uh, you might let on. And Fernando, being a rookie, he's going to struggle. He's going to have some bad moments, but there is talent there. He plays hard, and I think um, if it's if it's me, I'm looking towards the future and playing Fernando because the gap is just not that big. Um, that's We'll see how that fares. I, I, I still have uh, some questions as to how they're going to handle that. I think it might be a mixed match of those two, but if, if it's me, I go to Fernando, and that's just kind of you know not necessarily an indictment of Jones, but it's sort of is in some ways that he just has not played all that well in the preseason and if it's uh, close at all lean toward the young guy in Fernando um to the starters in this game uh, it's a little bit shorter than normal but uh yeah not too much to talk about in some ways uh as this game was kind of ugly really the entire way but especially in the second half um Bembry was kind of quieter than uh, he has been in the recent past with four points five rebounds and a steal he had four turnovers which is too many for what he wants to be doing he had a couple of hot and cold moments um a couple of the Chicago guys that had seen him play a couple of uh, the last couple nights um thought that uh he was really struggling you know Bembry had some nice moments but wasn't wasn't great in this game Alex Lynn, I said this a little bit before, I thought he was brutal, honestly. Four points, did have 11 rebounds to lead the entire game, actually, in rebounding. So I guess that's a small bright spot, but he was 2 of 10 from the floor, 0 of 3 from 3. Did have four assists, which is good for him, but four turnovers. His hands are, are a well-chronicled issue, uh, but Lynn just can't catch the ball. It's it's kind of outrageous, honestly, how bad it is at times. Did have two dunks in this game, his only two field goals. But uh, yeah, a, a night at the office that Alex Lynn would probably like to forget, and uh, we'll see how he fares. He's still a lot better than what the Hawks have behind him, so he's going to play real minutes, I would imagine, when the season starts. I think he'll be playing somewhere in the 25-minute range. But um, yeah, Lynn has not been as good as you would hope him to be in the early going of the season. Jabari Parker, 15 points to lead the Hawks in scoring, four rebounds for Jabari. You know, it was a little bit of hot and cold, missed five free throws, which is kind of funny. By the way, as a team, as a team in this game, the Hawks shot 15 of 34 from the free throw line, 44%. Um, they lost this game by 18 points. They missed 19 free throws. Now, are they going to make all, all 34? No. But this game would have kind of gotten interesting-ish if they had actually made some free throws. So it's 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 largely a blip. Guys that are usually pretty good shooters missing free throws in this game, but 2 of 7 for Parker, one of, 0 of 1 for Young, 0 of 2 for Lynn, 0 of, 0 of 2 for Membry, 3 of, 6, 3 of 6 from Goodwin, 1 of 3 from Charlie Brown. Just a lot of missed free throws in this game. doesn't really matter. It's preseason, but it's kind of just a funny little thing to throw in there. But yeah, back to uh, Parker. I thought he was pretty good overall, played hard, and, uh, you know, You've seen enough flashes from him to be intrigued as what he can bring. And he started in this game, of course, with John Collins unavailable. Lastly, Trey Young, 17 minutes, 5-10 from the floor. He was very aggressive, 11 points, 4, re- four rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal. I thought Trey played well. He was pressured a lot by Chris Dunn, especially. Um, he was uh, you know, playing hard. And if you're going to put Trey Young out there, you wanted to play hard. And he did in this game. Um, he is the best player on the team. And we'll see how that goes. I'm looking forward. Um, yeah, but yeah, Trey's... Uh, in good shape as the season opens, and uh, we'll see how he is with the, with the bright lights on. But I'm not worried about sophomore slumps with Trey. Um, we've kind of seen everything that you want to see out of him defensively. He's been playing harder than he's ever played before, and uh, that's what you wanted to see in the preseason. So we'll see how it looks next week. Um, yeah, overall, 
The Hawks were awful offensively in this game. Defensively, it was hot and cold. And honestly, the last quarter and a half is pretty much ignorable. You know, Kobe White had 29 points, by the way, off the bench for uh, the Bulls in 23 minutes. He's a lottery pick this year, of course. Um, someone the Hawks pretty much couldn't draft, but at the same time, kind of a funny stat. He just went crazy, hit six threes. Um, yeah, if you watch this game, kudos to you. I really appreciate everybody that rode all the way to the end. Um, I was even having trouble focusing in the fourth quarter, so that kind of tells you everything you need to know about the fourth quarter of this game. If you are someone who likes to rewatch basketball games, I would probably not go back and rewatch the fourth quarter of this one if you are not professionally obligated to do so, as I was. So, looking ahead, obviously the Hawks have now a full week off. They basically, well not off necessarily, but They'll have Friday off, they'll come back to Atlanta and probably reconvene for practice on Saturday um, and ramp it up to Thursday. Um, we'll have plenty of content next week. I think this is probably going to be it for this week. And we have I have at least one guest, I think hopefully two guests lined up for before the actual season starts on Thursday night in Detroit. But there is more content to come. Um, again, uh, nothing, nothing this weekend. Most likely, unless something crazy happens or if there's a trade or a signing, which isn't entirely impossible at this point in time because the Hawks do have a roster spot available. They'll be making some cuts in the near future, I would imagine. And again, uh, just for my uh, my clarification purposes, I would be stunned if they were to sign any of the Exhibit 10 guys to full contracts. That is Marcus Derrickson, Jordan Seibert, uh, Taj McCall, and Amrani Brooks. I just would, I'd be stunned if they did any of that. Um, just want to put that out there. And, uh, yeah, so that, that covers all those guys and, uh, you know, Shouts to them. Some of them will probably end up in College Park, if not all of them, and uh, we'll cover those guys as necessary. But um, barring that and barring some sort of uh, massive roster shakeup over the weekend, I will be here um, back next week to talk about the season because we're almost there. Honestly, we're, we're less than a week to go. Um, tonight was the one-week mark before the pre- before the regular season actually begins in Detroit, and the Hawks' home opener is next Saturday in Orlando. I will be in the building for that one and uh, ready to go. So please subscribe to this podcast. My apologies for a, a slightly shorter show than usual, but yeah. It was an ugly game and uh, kind of knew that was going to happen once we saw the available rosters and all that fun stuff. So it was always going to happen. And honestly, there was a lot more competitive preseason basketball this year than in some years that I've covered the Hawks team. So um, be grateful for that. Uh, and uh, we'll, look, we'll all look ahead to next week. So please stay tuned. Tell a friend, subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see everybody next week.